Well, uh, I actually, you know, it's funny because I didn't, I, for every other guest, I didn't write, um, I wrote down like a series of questions um, mm-hmm. to sort of like guide the conversation. And I didn't do that with you. I figured you and I would just wing it the whole time. So let's just. Um, Sounds good to me. Let's see how this goes. So uh, first of all, welcome everybody to the Fitter, Fitter Happier Podcast. This is episode four. Uh, it was previously called Depression Pals, but decided that name wasn't that great. And you guys helped me pick. Uh, this new name so thank you guys for that also want to give the disclaimer that as far as I understand Gold Glove you are not a trained and licensed professional in the field of psychology is that a correct assumption uh, that is absolutely correct okay, I had a feeling um, so <laughs> it's the same case for me I'm not a professional so n- neither one of us are qualified to give like professional advice to you guys um, so uh, we all we can do is really just speak to our experience with these uh, states of mind, uh, depression, anxiety, and talk a little bit about what those, what that, what those experiences are like for us, and sort of what are the things that have worked for us to try to alleviate those things. So, um, with that being said, Brennan, welcome. Hello, how, how have you been? I've been good, man. Life is uh is very different these days. Very, very different. I'm I'm busy. I'm tired, but it's it's amazing, and I've been good. Uh, you know, just just trying to do my thing. So you guys just had a little baby boy, you and you and Steph, uh, four months ago. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, almost five months now. Time is flying by, dude. It's it's ridiculous. Um, everybody that I know that had a kid, and I mean mm-hmm. every single one of them, they said that their experience was that like during the pregnant pregnancy there was a lot of anxiety, there was a lot of stress, and then as soon as they saw their baby for the first time. I'm not even fucking kidding you. Every single, 100% of my friends said that they had this experience. Um, they said once they see their baby for the first time, it felt like they had a very clear purpose. Like from that point forward, uh, all of their attention and energy was just naturally gravitating towards the baby. Um, mm-hmm. Was that your experience? I mean, yeah, I was, I was fucking terrified, dude. I was, I was so scared. I was, you know, every every negative thought I think I could possibly have entered my brain, you know, the nine months leading up to my son being born. And it, it, the second I saw him, it like, you know, it's like all that anxiety and all those nerves and, and all those scares, like they're still there, but they're pushed so far deep because the love for your child is so overwhelming that all that shit just doesn't matter anymore. It just like it's so it's it's very bizarre. Like I I can't I can't really explain the feeling. You know, if you're if you're a parent and you've had a child, you completely understand. But the second you see that that baby, that you're no lo- you're no it's no longer about you. It's about them, right? And it's about making their life the best you possibly can. So um, yeah, I mean, I I totally absolutely agree with that one hundred percent. There's a reason we all as parents feel that way. And as soon as you see that child, man, it just, everything changes. It's like a switch. And what about the stresses like of the pregnancy? And and I also tell everybody that comes on, if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, obviously just tell right. me and we can just let's go to another topic. But the, so um, for the pregnancy I, itself, like how did you, mm-hmm. were there lots of, um, I mean, I would have, I think I would have been thinking about like worst case scenario all the time. It could just come so programmed to think about those right. kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, a lot of self doubt, right? Like for me, it was, it was, am I prepared to do this? Am I going to be a good dad? Like, am I going to, am I going to be able to, you know, support not only me, but now my child and my family, you know, uh, everything, literally anything that's negative or anything that might be in the back of your, back of your mind, it kind of comes to the, to the front. 
And it just, you know, you, I mean, I, I told myself over and over, like, I'm psyching myself out. You know, these, this is what everyone thinks. But there's tons of parents that, you know, if it was really, if it was impossible, you know, like very few people would do it, you know? And I, I told myself that I can do this. I have a phenomenal partner. Uh, and we, you know, it's a 50, 50 partnership. We have each other's back all the time. And so, you know, the, the closer we got to the day, I feel like the less nervous I got. And then, like I said, man, as, as soon as he was born, I mean, it, it's as soon as they're born, right. It's a different type of stress because now, okay, now I have a child. Now I'm a dad. Now it's, now I got to do this and this and this. And it's like, but it's almost like you don't have a choice. You know, it, it's, it's not even a, it's not something you even think about because, you just have to do it. You don't, you literally don't have a choice, which for me, I'm the type of person that I need that. Like, I just need to be forced to do something and I'll, and I'll get my shit together. You know, you do better when you have um structure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, freedom. I, I don't do well with freedom. I, I have very little self-discipline. I've always had very little self-discipline. It's very hard for me to stay on track and like self-motivate at least in terms of like, um, taking care of myself uh physically and emotionally and and you know just pretty much all the shit that isn't fun um i slack off on you know uh i i don't lack self-motivation when it comes to something i'm passionate about but every everything else i just i don't know it's it's always been a struggle for me even since i was a kid when um like while you guys were going through the pregnancy together and you had those moments of self-doubt did you um did you go to uh step with those feelings or did you try to keep them inside to sort of um be strong for her during that time yeah it's it's it, it's kind of hard to to navigate that right because as as the man you know i feel like i'm supposed to be her rock and she's the one growing the child inside of her you know i'm, I'm not trying to make it any harder on her so it, it was you know i i feel like i had to kind of pick and choose what I would, what I would say, you know, if I was just like, you know, completely lost and terrified and, you know, I show, I expressed that to her that that could make it worse for her. So, you yeah. know, it, it was, we talked obviously like we, we constantly talked about it like every day. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I knew I had to be her rock and I had to make sure that I was, I was her, you know, support system through it all. So and one thing that I've talked about, because this is um this is a podcast like kind of specifically about how things like depression, anxiety fit into the kind of job that we do. Um, right. So uh, it, 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 that would be a lot, right? So like I th I th I tend to think that this job is in in many ways pretty simple, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, easy, and it can be extremely taxing sometimes. And Nick uh, Maniac and I, or Optic Maniac and I were a couple days ago talking about how oftentimes with this job, like your mental health correlates with your analytics. <laughs> so like if you're seeing like a little bit of a dip, then, you know, you all of a sudden you start doubting yourself and all these other areas of your life too. And uh, I was just wondering how you managed uh, the stress of, of preparing for a new child while also, because um, it took a little bit of time off for, for the pregnancy mm -hmm. stuff, but you were still working throughout the pregnancy. So was Steph. So um, you know, how, what are, what are some of the ways that you, uh, took steps in your own life to, to, to manage that stress? Yeah. I mean, that one's really hard for me. Cause, um, I've all, I think I've always struggled with kind of that, uh, you know, my mental health being kind of correlated to my numbers. Right. You know, when I was, when I was the third, technically the third biggest streamer on Twitch, you know, I felt like I was uh, a, a Titan. I, you know, I was on top of the world. And then, you know, eventually it kind of, you know, it came down, it leveled out a little bit. 
and you know you have good you have good times and bad times but i i think i've done a good job kind of navigating it throughout the years but this was kind of a, a whole new experience experience right? right it was um it was okay well how am i going to stay relevant which is very difficult to do especially this day and age when there's so many new people and, and there's so many streamers i mean there's people and <clears throat> here's the thing for me is i tend to look at all these other streamers and see how wow their success is just crazy like what about me is wrong that i'm not there right i did yeah. that for a long time right yeah. um and i feel like like halfway through the pregnancy you know i was working through the pregnancy but steph and i agreed you know as soon as cohen was born um we were i was going to take two months off which to me whew, that was the most that's terrifying dude that yeah. is absolutely terrifying um I've never taken like I think the longest break I've ever taken since I started like really doing everything full time since like 2012, 2013 was maybe like a week, two weeks tops. I think it's the longest I'd ever taken off. Right. So um, that was it was it was super scary for me. Um, but it, it's like as soon as my kid was born, all that kind of just took a back seat. It just it's not as important to me. You know, mm -hmm. it used to be number one for me, essentially, yeah. um, which, you know, uh, I guess it's not funny enough. But um, unfortunately, I mean, that was actually a huge contention uh, in Steph and I's relationship really early on um, is she felt like my job took precedent over her. Yeah. And so, you know, and that was really hard for me because for the longest time, you know, my job and my career and me being Gold Glove was number one. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, now I have this partner who... And I mean, I totally understand. And maybe at the time I didn't, I was like, what are you talking about? Of course you're number one, but I didn't, my actions didn't, you know, didn't speak to that. Yeah. So that was a big point of contention for us. And obviously, you know, we've been dating for almost six years now. We have a child together. Uh, we made that decision because we've, we've gone through a lot of things to know that we're both in it for the long haul, you know? Yeah. And so having someone who supports me in the way she does and kind of pushes me, to not necessarily be a better content creator, but be just a, a better overall person and, and balance my life out and yeah. get my shit together. So if it wasn't for Steph, I don't know if any of this would be possible, to be honest. So don't get um, distracted, by the way, if you see me typing, it's because I'm writing things down that you said, because I want to like circle oh, no. back around to them. My, my memory isn't as good as it used to be. So I got to write things down. <laughs> I'm right there with you, my friend. <laughs> um, you mentioned a couple of things that resonated with me so like the first thing balancing your work life with your relationship in this kind of a, a job can be really tricky and me and Esme went through something similar when we first got together because uh, I didn't have like a set schedule really I was just streaming right. you know sometimes seven days a week um, and a little bit of tension built up after a while especially after we moved, moved in together because um, it used to be that I would like take the weekends off and like drive to her place and then you know not work while I was there but then I'll I moved in and was working all the time and not like super long hour days, but it was like every day. And, uh, right. it took us like figuring out, okay, well we need like at least one day a week where we can hang out and there's no work involved. So it, sometimes it alternates between Saturdays and Sundays. These days I've been thinking about taking both Saturdays and Sundays off and then working longer during the week. But it is really important when you're in a relationship, I think to, to make a deliberate effort to block out time for them. It's like sacred time. You know, every week you're going to spend this amount of time with that person. Cause otherwise I don't know how these creators do it where they're streaming like seven days a week, 10 hours a day and they have boyfriends or girlfriends. I just don't, 
I couldn't do that for me. There's no way. Not that I'm judging them, but right. Um, I mean, I I did it at one point. I think it, you, they're at a different point in their lives, you know, from where you're at right now. I mean, for me, you know, in 2013, 2014, 2015, that's kind of where I was. Like, I I was streaming sometimes 12, 14 hours a day, but so was Steph, right? So that was kind of the thing. It was like we were both doing it. We were both kind of like we were putting all of our time into it. Um, and then, you know, any external time we had, we spend it together. Um, but now I, obviously as we're a little bit older, it's like one, I, I can't do hours like that anymore. I just, I just can't, I will, I will burn out so fast. I will just, I'll get to the point where I, I will like, I will just be, I'll be angry if I start up my stream. Like I just won't be in a good mood, you know, it's not fun. Um, and so, and then, you know, I, <laughs> now we have a child. So now it's just like, we don't even have the option to, to put that many hours in. Yeah. So it just yeah. changes based on the scenario, I guess. Yeah. Something else you mentioned was comparing your insides to other people's outsides. And that's something that yeah. me and Nick also talked about a couple of days ago. Yeah. One, of, one of the things that makes this job difficult as far as the mental health goes is because if you get, if you're in this industry long enough or you're, you know, you're in this field long enough, you'll meet a lot of people, you'll follow them on Twitter. And then all of a sudden after a few years, you're following like a thousand people that are like doing the same thing that you are. <clears throat> and when you, uh, follow a bunch of content creators and they're like your friends, it's, um, you have like a really skewed perspective of the world. I think when you pop, you know, open your phone and you, look at Twitter and you're just looking at everybody's having the greatest day ever and they're just having the yep. most success ever. And then you start um, comparing yourself to them, but they're only showing you just what they want you to see on social media. Obviously they're not, most people aren't going to get on there and treat social media like a diary and just talk about having like feelings of self doubt or anything like that. So it's tricky. I don't know about what your experience has been like, but it's, I've had to like new people that I even like just for my own sake, because I'm having like thoughts of like, I'm having negative thoughts about people that I like. And then I realize, oh, that's just my shit. And so that's just one thing I've had to do for me is like put myself on timeout and like just kind of try to not look at it as much. Uh, um, right. What, what has your experience been like? Uh, oh, you kind of, I mean, you kind of said it perfectly. It's like when we, especially with this job, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost 24 seven, right? If you're not streaming, you're probably on social media, you're doing something, you're thinking about what you need to do next. It, it's very hard to turn your brain off. And I think like, like you said, we meet a lot of people in the industry and before you know it, it, you know, if you go to cons regularly, you, you know, kind of everybody, you get to know people. Right. And so you follow them. So you're, you're following every content creator and you're seeing, you know, the, for, you know, I'm just going to use someone, for example, I've known Tim forever, right. Tim, the tap man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember when Tim got on the, on the platform and now, sorry, I have my Twitch open right now. So I see it. He has 97.9 K viewers, you know? Tim was smaller than me at one point. And I think three or four years ago, seeing that would have really bothered me. Cause like somewhere along the lines, I would have been like, why, what, like I'm comparing myself to Tim. Like what happened? Why, why am I, why am I not there? Like, you know what I mean? And now I, what I try to do is I don't try to compare myself to other streamers or any other content creators. I think, I try to, I don't really necessarily compare myself to anybody, you know, but um, if I am going to compare myself, I try to compare myself to, you know, my peers in real life, you know, where I'm at, at my age, uh, and maybe where my parents were at my age. Um, you know, I always try to kind of look, put it into perspective is, you know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 30. Um, I just built like, honestly, like a, my dream house. 
you know uh i i, I live very very uh comfortably you know it, it, and so i try to tell myself that and it's like even though yeah okay i'm not pulling tim the Tatman numbers but dude i'm doing well for myself you know yeah. and i'm happy with life and yeah. i and i you know and that's the difference is like you know, I, I don't know. Did I ever tell you the real reason why I broke my hand? No. When when did you break your hand? Oh, I do remember that. You had to play with a controller for a little while. Yeah, so I, I broke my hand. I think it was summer of 2018, I think. I think it was August 1st, 2018. I would say that was where, like, mentally I was rock bottom. Like, I was... You said 2018? Is that what you said? I, yeah, I think August 1st, 2018. I, um... I just had a lot of anger, man. I was just so angry. And I was really embarrassed at the time because um, for those people who don't know, I, I legitimately was that guy. I literally punched my, I punched like four walls, four holes in my drywall and broke my own hand on a stud. That's literally what I did. Oof. So it's a, it's a boxer's fracture. Um, I shattered my fifth metacarpal. I had to get uh, surgery. I was I, I was in a cast for eight weeks. Oh my god! Um, and I was super embarrassed at the time. You know, I was like, I'm 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 really embarrassed. So I, you know, I I basically just kind of skimmed over it. Didn't tell anybody the real reason. Um, but I'm actually it was like literally the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, it forced me to kind of get my mental health in order. And at the time, I think I was dealing with that where I was like my numbers weren't doing as good as they were. And so like, I was chalking that up, you know, I was, I don't know. I was like making that my own self worth, you know, like yep. I started doubting myself. I was angry. I had a lot of things that I just had never, I'd never, I don't know, gotten out or dealt with. And so it forced me to deal with some shit. Well, and you got I, into this you know, thing when you were real young, right? Like weren't you 16 or 15 years old when you really first started trying to make money off of YouTube? Uh, so when I started doing it, which I'm sure, you know, is there was no money, right? It was like long before the machinima days. I don't, I don't even know when machine, when did machinima come into the picture? 2009, yeah. 2010, somewhere in there. Near the end so, of 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So I was making videos. I think my first video is, was uploaded early 2007. So, you know, I remember when YouTube was four by three, five star ratings, all that stuff. I mean, that's early YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I was just making like years of war montage videos just for fun just because i was literally that 16 year old kid that was like eh, all these videos uh, for gears of war on youtube i'm better than these kids i'm gonna make i'm gonna make better videos like that was my mindset so there was no money or anything i just wanted to show off my skills more or less and then obviously machinima came around call of duty got bigger commentary videos came around and then that's when the money started you know and i was like well i'm gonna i, I like doing this anyway let's just I guess I'll make some money off of it. Why not? So, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, half my life has almost half my life has literally been spent making YouTube videos and like being a part of this um, culture, I guess, you know, did you ever have like so, a, re a real job before all this or is this your first job? No, see, that's the funny thing. I mean, I had some odd jobs here and there, but no, I, I've never had a real job outside of this, which is a little scary for me, you know, in it, it, it was really scary, not at first, but you know, maybe three or four years ago is starting to get really scary. It's, I think it's, it is still kind of scary to me, but the older I get, the more I realize that I have a lot of experience, uh, from doing this for, you know, 15 plus years. Yeah. Um, I know so many people in the industry, um, that I don't doubt that I would be able to, you know, secure myself a job, 
so, you know, I'm not as scared about it as I once was. I don't know about you, but I actively these days, it took several years to get to this point, but actively these days, I try to ignore the analytics as much as I possibly can. Um, You can't ignore it altogether. That's the unfortunate thing about this job. You talked about relevancy. I could give a fuck what, what people think about me, like out in the world. Um, It took me a while to get to this place in my life, but I could really give a fuck. Like it is not in my natural it's not my natural instinct anymore to want people to like me or to feel like I need to make people like me or something like that. But you're kind of forced to do that to some degree when you're doing this job. You can't ignore analytics altogether. You have to keep, you know, somewhat of an eye on them. But the less I focus on, like, you know, you've been in this thing long enough so you know that there are like peaks and valleys. And the the mm-hmm. less that I focus on those valleys, the faster I get out of them. Um, every single time because I think the content is just better when you're not consumed with um, numbers and instead you're focusing on you know things that I think are more important like actual connection with the people in your chat and um, fostering of community and fun with the games those things are just far more if you focus on those in my experience you're gonna the the product is gonna be better absolutely I mean for me so for me personally you know the two months off for my son um, when he was born coming back, I had to change my schedule completely. So, which was, it was kind of a double whammy. I took two months off and then I was, and then I was streaming in a completely different time slot. I've always been a, like a late night evening streamer. That's kind of where I built my entire channel. So like, you know, sometimes I wouldn't even start my stream until like eight or 9 PM West coast, you know? Yeah. So I would always have this very late night crew and that's, and I streamed that way for 10 years, essentially. And then all of a sudden now I'm like, hey, guys, uh, I've been gone for two months. Also, I'm streaming at 1 p.m. now. And it's like half my audience doesn't most of my audience doesn't watch at that time. Right. Like they, That's not my followers aren't online then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really, really hard for me uh, for the first couple of weeks. And, you know, that was fairly recent. That was like start of uh, February. Um and for me, I like I was I was looking at the numbers. I was kind of getting stuck in it, and I was like, "Oh my god, my numbers are so bad! Like, I, is this it? Like, is this is this the turning point? Is this where I'm like, this is like the worst possible timing, right? I I kind of psyched myself out a little bit, and then I just decided I was like, you know what? I got to stop looking at it, and I I don't look at it. I literally have not looked at it, and you know, sometimes like someone in the chat will be, you know, will say something, you know, like. Uh, I don't know. They'll just say a viewer number. And and I'm like, sometimes it's a good thing. And sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a little low. But at the end of the day, I just, I don't, I really don't care. I really don't care anymore. It's not on my priority list. You know, it, like you said, peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. For me, some games I get good viewership and some games I don't. But as long as I'm having a good time, I'm getting my streams in, I'm hanging out with my community, the viewers want to be there every single day. That's the important part to me yep. at the end of the day now, so... You know, I don't know if it, if if this has been your experience, but the but the stress and the fear is so irrational too. Like the more successful I am monetarily, the more I'm convinced that it's all gonna go away next year. I don't know if that's yeah. how you, that, that that's how you work, but I used to get so stressed, sort of similarly, like similarly asking myself, like, well, is this it for me? And I've you know, <laughs> I've been on that kind of cycle for like seven years, and yet within that seven years. 
um, analytics have become like less important because there's like different streams of revenue. So if you can have like right. all kinds of different streams of revenue, it doesn't really matter if you have like an, a bad two months of Twitch or whatever, because you have this, you know, five other streams over here that are help keeping you whole. And so even though like financially I was, I was doing, I was, I was more successful, successful year after year after year, every single year I would be like that much more stressed. I think it's kind of the case of like the more that you, you have, the more that you're afraid of losing it. And so it just kicks your brain into overtime. And if you're already wired for stress, it can be, you know, quite unpleasant like physically for sure it can be quite unpleasant. I actually, so I, I was like this for a really long time where I, I I'm not necessarily like this anymore, but I still feel like I have, I, I do have times where I feel this way. Um, in like 2014, 2015 is when I, I started, I don't know. I was really focused on not the numbers, but I was like, Oh, I put X amount of dollars into my bank account this month. Next month has to be higher. Like that, that is the type of mentality I had. And if I didn't, reach a higher number I failed like that's how I felt and I feel like that mentality I, I, I literally set myself up for failure there was there was no way that it was just gonna never not go you know, I don't know I, I just at one point I was like I, it can just keep going let's just keep going bigger bigger mm -hmm. and bigger and bigger and then you know obviously you have to come down eventually um, and it did and I think that was really really hard for me and, and what's what's crazy like you kind of said it is i don't like the numbers that i had you know in 2013 2014 you know as crazy as they were and the, and the views that i was getting and stuff like that i make more money now right. you know like like financially i make more money now and so it's it's just this weird like battle i think that i have it's like yeah but money's not everything which it's not you know like do, but I want to, do I want to keep doing this long-term like, which I do. So like, it's, it's like, you got to find this, this weird middle ground. And I, I don't know. I think that's something that I've, I've always struggled with when it comes to this whole content creation kind of behind the scenes game that is a, is a very, very scary and dangerous game that I feel like a lot of people just don't really understand until you're in it. Um, and you know, there, we're, we're kind of, since we're this relatively new compared to everything else, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, experience and there's not a lot of people you can kind of ask for advice uh you know except for i would i would say people like you and people like you know nanners and and people who have been around for as as long as they have you know there's there's a very select few that i would trust their yeah. expertise on it but that's scary to me too it's like there was no there was nobody else before all of us you know yeah. so nobody really knows what the fuck to do so i don't know it can everyone be very does it differently it can be very isolating because who are you going to go to 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 vent about your job where you get paid to, you know, sit in front of a webcam and play video games? I used to have so much stress about the job, but then I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I knew that yeah. at the time, like in 2012, I just fucking melt, melted down. I had a complete meltdown because the stress was just overwhelming. And on top of that, I didn't feel like I had the right to complain or vent to anyone about it and as you said nobody knew what the fuck this job was in 2012 there were people right. that thought it was you know it was all gonna go away like two years later like this is all just a fad um there was there was there were no there were not a lot of like pioneers that had a had had a strong enough foothold on the scene where you felt comfortable talking openly about this stuff and on top of that you also don't want to <clears throat> you don't want to look you don't want to look weak 
you know, if you're in a, if you, if you're in a position where people are like looking to you as like a leader or whatever, you don't want to let people know that you're having like moments of self doubt. So it's all this like self feeding, really negative cycle of like isolation. I, I, I wonder if we could take it back a little bit with you and just talk about mm-hmm. like your, your earlier relationships with stress or your relationship okay. with stress and like how, cause oh, your th- wow. is, is your thing more depression or I, I thought more, it was more anxiety with you, right? Um, I, I, I mean, lately I would say anxiety. Um, but I, I used to, I mean, I experienced really, really, really bad depression when I was a teenager. Um, and I would say early two thousands, um, actually uh, a couple, when I broke my hand, that was, I, I would say that was about of depression as well. Like right after that, I was just so, I don't know, everything kind of just exploded. And I was like, I have so much shit that I need to take care of. Like, what have I been doing this whole time? Right. Um, when it comes, the type of person I am is I, uh, I'm like a one, I'm a self-medicator. So I, you know, I, I drank a lot, you know, not, not, I, I never felt like I was an alcoholic, but like, you know, drinking was kind of my, my getaway, right? I drank socially a lot and it, it just kind of like ruined my health and it, you know, I, I don't know. That was always my escape, right? I always try to find to escape or find an escape. I'm not one to talk about my feelings. I feel like this is changing now, you know, especially the last couple of years, um, but pretty much my entire childhood, you know, but my parents, my parents never asked me like, Hey, Bren, how you doing? Like, how you feeling today? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about that? Like that, that is, that's not what I grew up with. So for me, it was, Oh, you, if you, if you got some shit, deal with it internally. You know, mm-hmm. I was raised in a very toxic masculine, masculinity filled household. Like, you know, I, I'm the man, just suck it up, rub some dirt on it. Um, and so I, I feel like that's pretty much what I tried to do for most of my 20s. And eventually it, it fucking backfired. And, and then I had to deal with all my shit. And that's so that's what I've been doing for the last two or three years. Um, so anxiety is my, my big thing now. But how did it manifest for you when you were younger? Like what, it, what, what did that look like? A little depressed Brennan. Bro, just just. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to talk to my friends. I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk to my parents. I didn't want to talk to my siblings, my anybody. I just wanted to self isolate. This is when, um, honestly, I mean, you know, I, I am kind of a, a firm, well, maybe not always, but sometimes I think, I think things do happen for a reason. Um, and for me, like, you know, I was, I was, uh, 16, 17 years old and, I was, I was basically, my life goal was baseball, 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 baseball. That's what my family wanted me to do. They wanted me to go to school for baseball. And then I got injured and I couldn't, like I had, I had to do physical therapy for six months and I just never really got back to where I was. Like my arm still to this day, like still hurts when I throw after a while. What's the, um, what was the injury? I, 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 I don't know if I technically tore, but I had like a, I, I don't know, I think it was a slight tear. So they thought I, I. Um, they thought I did something to my rotator cuff. Um, and so I did physical therapy to fix it, but I, I'm pretty sure I tore it and I should have got a second opinion, but my mom, I mean, my mom was a single parent. She didn't have a lot of money. Um, and so it's not like she could have even really afforded it, the surgery anyway. So unfortunately that's just kind of, I just had to kind of leave it behind. And so I was, I was like, okay, I, I lost my, granted, I'm 16 at the time, right? But I, at the time, I was like, this is, you know, life-changing. I lost my identity. If I'm not playing baseball, what am I doing? I lost interest in school. I think my junior high school, I, like, flunked, like, three or four classes. I nearly, I nearly had to do summer school that year. I nearly didn't pass. 
Um, I, I, all I, all I wanted to do was, was play Gears of War. Like I legitimately, I was obsessed with it. And that's when I started making videos. I just like, I would, I would have day, I would daydream about Gears. I would dream about it. I would sleep for like three or four hours a night just so mm -hmm. I could wake up early to play before school. Did you ever do the thing where you would hear a song on the radio and you would start imagining how a montage would If it was a montage? Head? Yeah. It's literally all I ever did. Dude, I, I didn't did listen to music for music. I just listened, oh, does this make a good montage song? That's I all that. I ever did. Dude, I did that all the time, all the time. Yeah. And I wanted to do like unconventional songs too. I don't know about you, if you were doing like Dead Drowning Pool and like the kind of um, <laughs> rock and roll kind of like that was like a staple of montages back then. But I wanted to do like yeah. kind of girly music. I like doing like girly pop music to kind of like subvert people's yeah. expectations and doing it that way. And yeah, I used to have so much fun doing that. Um, so that was something that got you out of the depression, you think, was was being able to focus on like learning how to edit and, you know, um, getting better at the game and building a channel, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It gave me something to kind of look forward to and have this like passion, which which is funny because now as an adult, I've realized that um, like recently me and Steph have been struggling with this, but like we we were trying to essentially figure out what was going on and causing issues in our relationship and just me on a daily basis. And I was I was showing a lot of symptoms and signs of ADHD. Um, and I just I was a firm believer like, no, if I had ADHD, like it would be pretty obvious. Well, I'm one of those people who actually has uh, bouts of like hyper focus. So I experience hyper focus more than anything instead of like this funk or lack of focus. So for me, uh, I get consumed by one thing. It is it like takes over my brain. It's the only thing I think about. It's the only thing I want to do. Even now, like I still have not as not as severe as it once was, but I do have levels of like hyper focus. And so for me, I was I was experiencing that and it was a passion for me. I was hyper focused on making videos and I just that's all I ever thought about. It's the only thing I wanted to do and nothing else uh, sounded appealing. There was no balance at all in my life. Just that just, you know, every single day, um, which was scary in some aspects, but yes, it, I think it did help me get to where I am. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. I, I, in, in some ways, I think there are some like, there are some really negative behaviors that or potentially negative behaviors that are rewarded in this field. So absolutely. that, that, yeah. hy that hyper-focus and not having balance in your life. And, you know, I used to do montage stuff sometimes like 16 hours a day. I would get like three hours of sleep, go wait tables, come home and then, and then just do nothing but crank out these really shitty montages. But I was just so, I was having so much fun with it and I could see myself improving that the more I improved, the more I wanted to do it. And, um, in the beginning it worked. I don't think I could have built a YouTube channel back then without that hyper focus that you're describing. But in the long run, I don't think that that's sustainable. It kind of ties into what we were talking about before about like 12 hour days, seven days a week. It's just, I don't think that's going to work long term. Right. I think for me, somewhere along the line, my my hyper focus for for streaming and making videos, my passion for it, uh, I, you know, I, I would be lying if I said I, I had the same passion, at least for making videos that I did in, you know, 2013, 2014. Um, you know, YouTube used to be my my baby. Twitch was secondary. And now I feel like um, you or And now I feel like Twitch is is what I really enjoy doing. Like I, streaming is my passion now. And YouTube is just kind of secondary. Like I just, it's not as important to me. So it's just so volatile. I, Twitch, I think is a little more predictable in terms of like, I feel like my, my income on Twitch over the last five years has been somewhat predictable. And on YouTube, right. it's just, you know, like, who you, knows know. What, you know, kind of adpocalypse popped up that year and, 
know, what kind of changes to the algorithm they made and what, what trends are popular on YouTube. It's just really, really difficult, I think, to, to maintain that kind of relevancy without like a team of people to help you with strategizing and schedules and that kind of thing, which if you have that more power to you, but if you don't have that, it's really tough. You gotta, you gotta really be hungry, I think. Oh, I mean, there's actually no possible way I could be a dad, be a proper partner to my girlfriend, you know, do all my other responsibilities and obligations, stream full time, make YouTube videos. It's just, it's, there's not enough time in the day. It, it is not a one. It's, it's more that it's a team. Like you said, you need a whole team behind you. Um, you know, I have, I've had editors, uh, since like 2015, 2016, um, which I feel like that's probably part of the reason I kind of lost the, the passion or the itch with YouTube, because, you know, it's not just me, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the sole reason. So you kind of, you can kind of step back a little bit and not feel as involved, mm -hmm. which is probably what did it for me. But, uh, at least for streaming and all the other stuff, like everything that's on my Twitch channel, essentially, except for graphics, you know, it's a, it's a one man, it's a one man team. Um, you know, obviously not, uh, half the content, you know, streaming with you guys yesterday and, and, and Mike, like, you know, you guys come in and do your thing and that helps my content out. We help each other out. But other than that, streaming is still my baby. I'm the, I'm the sole, the sole, you know, team member for that. So. What about, um, if I could change gears just a little bit. So I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. I've struggled throughout the years with issues of identity, like not fully understanding like who I am and how I work. Um, and then going through these like really low lows where you question identity even more like who the fuck am I? What does it even mean? And I imagine going from like childhood straight up adolescence in your case to a career where you're putting on a show. I imagine that that could be even more confusing because by the time I got into it, I was probably 25, 26 years old. So by then I had a better understanding of who I was. Um, Good question. <laughs> but, this, is, this is good. If I would have gotten into streaming at age 18 or 17 years old, it would have been bad. It would have been bad. so, I would have been so confused after a while. I wouldn't have known who I was like this personality that you're trying to be to, you know, it, it, your personality just sort of naturally develops with your chat, with your, with your viewers, mm -hmm. with your stream. And you kind of bounce off of them. And all of a sudden you start developing these like routine behaviors because of that. Right. And, um, I just imagine that that could be pretty confusing for a young person, like trying to figure out who they are. So if you, yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is something that all my friends and family like to say to people when they, when they talk to uh, like people outside of our, our family or something like that, they, they always say, you know, you know, it's because a lot of people want to know what I'm doing and what I do. They come in to watch my channel. My parents have always said, they, they've said this for so long. Remember that's gold glove. He's Brennan. Right. And I think it, it really took me a long time to kind of separate the two. Um, I think at one point there was no difference. I think from like, you know, there was probably a four or five year span where I got so lost in being gold glove. I, I couldn't turn it off. Like it was just, and I, and I'll be honest, gold glove is not necessarily the nicest fucking person in the world. You know, gold glove was a character. I think to, to, for the most part, everyone who streams and makes YouTube videos I guess it depends on the type of content they, they produce. But for, for me, I was putting on a character, right? I, I, I feel like I was playing a character every single day and I did, I got lost in the character. I, I started like, I started treating people 
that Brennan, Brennan would never treat people like that. But Gold Glove, he's kind of an asshole, you know? He's just, he's a blunt asshole that just says dumb shit and he thinks it's okay because he's joking. But sometimes he kind of, he got, he, he kind of takes it too far. Um, and it started affecting me. It started affecting my relationship with Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really, you know, that she, she really couldn't, she was really kind of the catalyst that got me to kind of see that and be like, she's like, I can't stand. We, we would get like, we would kind of get on fights or get in fights when we would play games together on stream. Like when we were, when we kind of first started dating and kind of like a year in our, into our relationship, she was like, you're a fucking asshole. Like, I can't deal with you. You're that's not you. That is not Brennan. Like, why are you like that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's just me. I'm streaming. I'm just, I'm, j- I'm joking around. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no big deal. But then like, I, I noticed it, it not only affected my relationship with Steph for a little bit, but it was like, yeah, I started noticing it was affecting my relationship with like Vern, who's like literally one of my best friends. And I could tell like, sometimes, you know, I just don't, I didn't turn it off. And even though in, in for him, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't in character, you know, quote unquote. And he would, I could tell it was really bothering him. Mm-hmm. And I think just somewhere down the line, I was like, what the hell happened? Like, this is not who I am. Like, I'm I'm a nice person. Like, I'm a very respectful, polite person. I treat people with respect. Like, I don't think of myself as an asshole. Like, yeah, I can be sarcastic and and say some dumb shit sometimes. But, like, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or do anything like that. Oh. And so somewhere along the line, I had to separate it. I had to really focus on separating it. But then when I did separate it, I almost felt like what now um well i almost felt like gold glove wasn't gold glove anymore you know um mm-hmm. i don't know it's 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 very interesting I, gold glove gold glove's different now but and that's scary too because if you if you've done content that way for that many years and that's just the shtick that you've done and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're and you realize okay well i actually don't like the way i feel when i when i behave like that it can be really um scary it's just like, yeah. well, you, cause you end up asking yourself, well, now what the fuck? You know, like, like my, like, well, audi- my audience is used to this certain side of me. So that's, I mean, you're literally saying things that I've said. It's like my, well, my audience, that's what they find funny. That's what they like. And it's like, I feel like that was kind of a big part of the, the number drop off, you know, over the, over the last four years is like, you know, there were people who were used to me being a certain way and, and I'm not like that anymore. But it almost makes me feel even more like appreciative of, of is that how you say that word? By the way, my chat ripped me apart the other day. Appreciative. 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 Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Appreciative. Um, appreciative. I don't think you sounds do, weird. I think you're highlighting that. Yeah. Am I like appreciative? I think you just say it like that. Maybe it's my accent. Anyway, Maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I appreciate the hot of my, my current community because man, it was so fucking toxic. In like you know, it was so fucking toxic for so long, and now that I don't, I mean, yeah, we we still mess around with each other, but for the most part, like I love hanging out with my chat. You know, they're they're good people, they're they're hilarious, they're funny. We have a good time, mm-hmm. dude. There was a point in like 2015 where I I didn't fucking want to stream because everyone was such a dick, like everyone was so toxic <laughs> all the fucking time, and I was like, dude, this I just can't deal with this shit. People were so goddamn mean. Yeah, and I, I and but then I'm like, who do I who do I have to blame? myself right like i created this so i don't know dude me and mike had been through the same thing the same thing man like uh, when i think back of the arguments that we would get into back in like 2014 2015 i get so embarrassed and i'm so glad that 
I had to, we all had to nuke our Twitch clips. I'm just so glad that there's no clip because I would use language that I would not use in 2021 when I was yelling at him. There were yeah. times. There were times where. Uh, there were times where I would get so fucking angry that I would I would like be shaking with adrenaline. I was so fucking pissed. And then I remember um, those. I remember those times. <laughs> and then there was one time where him and like we all got on the phone. It was me, Jay, Fwiz, and Hector, and and Mike. Actually, Fwiz, I don't think was a part of that, but we all and got on the Voldemort. phone. <laughs> we, we we all got on the phone trying to like hash it out, and me and Mike were just like yelling at each other. And May and 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 Esme were texting each other like in the background, like what are they, like what is going on over there? But um, yeah, you know, like that toxic behavior is just so rewarded. Like I, roast culture can be kind of fun and funny, and it can be lighthearted. And then other times, I'm just not in the fucking mood for it. And um, right, you know, figuring out how to like communicate that, like take care of yourself, you know. Like now I just, I'll just tell him, like, I'll just text, like, like if I'm having a real shitty day, I'll just text Mike and, and Hector beforehand and be like, I'm not going to be like super responsive to like sarcasm today. I'm just having a shitty day. And, yeah. you know, you know, to their credit as friends, like every time they're like, yeah, totally cool. Like, you know, whatever. They just roll with it. But I think that's important. I think like distancing yourself from like the really overtly toxic stuff is going to be better for your mental health in the, in the long run. Oh, Absolutely. I, to Mike's credit too, I've known Mike a long time. I'm sure I think you've even known him longer than me. Uh, Mike's changed even in recent years, I think. So Mike's a fucking sappy, nice guy behind it all. He really is. He's a big yeah. old teddy bear. You got to feel always back has a, been. You got to peel back a few of those layers to get there, but you'll get you there do. eventually. You do. Yeah, he's uh, like an ogre. So you were talking about like you were talking about ways to sort of recenter yourself after you've had periods of, of identity crisis, you know, like, well, who am I if I'm not this toxic person? Like, what are some of those ways that you, that you did that? Was it like developing a routine? Was it taking care of yourself physically better? Was it just like making a conscious effort to be more mindful of the things that you said? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it was for me, I, I had to, it, it was almost like a switch that I had to do just like, okay, I, I need to make this change. I need to separate gold glove and Brennan and when I'm on stream, it's one thing, right? Um, and for you, like like you said, like now, if you're not feeling something, you'll text somebody, right? And you'll be like, "Hey, I'm just not feeling that shit today. Like, let's let's keep it keep it." But I I feel like I'm a good judge of like where someone's at, you know. Um, so I try my best, like you know, if someone's just not feeling it that day, like all right, I'll bring I'll bring it down a couple notches, you know. Let's just have a, a chill day. But then again, I don't worry as much about being a character. And I just try to be myself. Like, I just try to be Brennan most of the time now. Like, I feel like I'm just, I'm one, it's exhausting to be gold glove for more than like 30 minutes. I can't, I don't know how, well, I know how I did it. It was, it was a lot of, a lot of energy drinks and alcohol. That's how I did it. And I just, I, I can't do it anymore. Like, I, I just want to sit back and play games and hang out with my friends, you know, and, and maybe have some banter. But other than that, like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be all crazy, you know? So, yeah. Um, time away for me is really important. Like, uh, for a long time, I didn't take any breaks, but I've been very consistent in taking time away, uh, to make sure that, you know, I, I balance myself out and kind of, you know, take care of myself first and foremost so that I can have a good and entertaining stream where I'm not just, you know, being shitty and angry the whole time. So do you do anything for fun outside of streaming? Do you like bowling, fishing, skiing, anything like that? Um, I mean, right now I, I don't have any extra time, uh, I mean, for me, dude, if I'm if I'm hanging out and I got an extra day, 
granted this last year is kind of the exception because of covid but you know before uh, me and Steph, man we would hit up the movies we we loved going to the movies just having a little date night um you know whatever the friends wanted to do just hang out with some friends you know some irl friends yeah. i actually do love bowling by the way it's the fact you said that we would actually do like bowling saturday nights um with a bunch of friends we would do that like maybe once a month once every two months that was an awesome little reset day yeah. um you know just honestly whatever you know just whatever works well let's take it back to alcohol because that's something that's kind of relevant to my life these days i'm think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, try- I'm trying to cut back myself um it used to be for me and i think the same the same case is for you that me getting like pretty drunk on stream was a semi-regular occurrence and it took uh i haven't i haven't done that for a couple of years now maybe even a few years but it, i mean it's happened every once in a while but for the most part now it's i have like a rule where i'm not if i'm starting to like kind of slur my speech it's time to turn off the stream um yeah. how did that how did your relationship with alcohol change over like the last um five years Whew. um was, well, the, was I, the hand incident was alcohol involved in that i assume no Oh, there, was there was sober. no alcohol involved. Okay. Yeah, that was a sober mis- Exactly. It, it makes it almost even worse. Um, I just, I've always experienced moderation issues. I'm one of those people who I, I feel fine. I feel fine. I feel fine. And then I'm not fine. There's no in between. I, I hit a wall very quickly. And um, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's stubbornness or it's a pride thing, but I don't want anyone to tell me that I'm too drunk. You know, like I, I hate that. It almost makes me want to drink more to spite you. It, it was an issue that I, I've always had. So it's like, you know, Steph, Steph really tried to push me in the right direction and be like, hey, like, do you see, do you see how you're acting? Like, look, like, do you feel like you've had too much? And I'd be like, no. But she's like, but you just did that thing. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, I, I obviously have. And for me, I, I cut out uh, hard liquor completely. Like that was the big thing for me is like, I would just, the, the more I, the, so the drunker I get, the more I think I can drink, which doesn't make any sense. Like I'll, I'll get, I'll get tipsy and I'll be like, oh, I my next drink can be twice as big. And then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll drink that one and I'll be drunk. I'll be like, oh, I could do a couple shots. Like that's just, I don't know why that's just how I am. Moderation is such an issue for me. Um, and so I, I've really, 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 and it's so fucking hard for me, dude. Like I'll tell myself, even now, like I'll tell myself. So right now, like I have been drinking a little bit of liquor recently, um, but I always want another one. And I know I do. And so like last night, Steph got me, Steph got me these like um, Rip City loggers. They're like uh, branded Rip City, which is my favorite basketball team, the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, I'm buying you these because I saw them but you can only drink them uh, on game day. And so yesterday, game day, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I told myself I'm gonna have one and I drink one. And at the beginning, it's fine. Oh, I'm gonna have one, no big deal. By the time the first one's done, I'm like, God, I really want a second one. I didn't you. do it. it. Dude, it does. It's like, oh, now I'm, why just drink one? I mean, now I'm a little tipsy, but why not just have another one? I'll be feeling real good. It's kind of a waste to, just to drink one when you think about it, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, you, you come up with all these reasons to, to break a promise to yourself. And that's where I, I go back to me saying, like, I lack self-discipline. It's so hard for me to be like, don't do this, do this. And then I'll just backslide and I'll, and I'll do it anyway. It's like, I don't listen to myself. It's like, I, I, I rationalize 
you know, a reason not to do what I originally, you know, wanted to do. Um, and it's like that in every aspect of my life. It's something that I struggle with so much. I'm, I've been, I'm so much better than I was, but I still have such a long way to go. Um, and it, it's just, it's hard, man. I, you know, if it wasn't for Steph, I, dude, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> where I would be in terms of like, well, everything, but in, in, especially in terms of like alcohol, I, I, I try to tell myself I never had a problem, but I think at one point I, I did. It was just such a, especially with streaming right it's so it's such a social thing mm -hmm. and it's like well, i'm just playing video games with some friends you know yeah. like why not have some drinks i'm not driving anywhere i'm not doing anything dangerous but then when you when you realize you're doing it every day mm -hmm. you know i dude i would i'm pretty sure i drank every day like i literally drank i would at least I, i'm not saying i would get drunk every day but i'd probably have a drink every day yeah you um, know? how do you so. think how, how do you think alcohol it, for me, I felt like it, it, um, it, it's, it's a balancing act because in some ways it does, I think, you know, quote unquote, like help the stream a little bit. I loosen up. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm, I'm more prone to make jokes or be sarcastic or be playful. Your inhibitions mm -hmm. are sort of lowered, which can be a huge asset in this kind of, kind of line of work. Um, <clears throat> what were some of the ways that, that, uh, drinking, um, helped help to you streaming i mean not to glamorize it but uh right but you know like not, you're doing it for a reason right like it's it's right. it's helping you in some way i mean just like you said like i i would do it because it was a social thing it would let me let let loose i everyone thought i was funnier you know like oh goldie's drunk dude you gotta watch the stream it's gonna be hilarious you know like it, it, i think a big part of it was kind of the 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 response from the viewership is just people would come out for these, for these, like we used to do fucked up Friday, right? These, these Friday streams. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't get tipsy Friday. It was get fucking fucked up Friday. Yeah. And I did it every Friday. And like, there was a lot of streams where I don't, I don't even remember ending them. Like, you know, like I would, I would black out and, and, you know, thinking, even saying that now, like I'm so embarrassed, but at the time it was just, haha, that was so fucking funny last night. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, did you see that stream Goldie? That was so funny, dude. Like you're such a funny dude. Like, and it just kind of, it reinforces what you're doing and it makes you feel even, it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's yeah. keep doing it. This is awesome. My channel is growing. Everyone loves it. Why not? Um, but it's, it's fucking like toxic. College. It's horrible. It's like college yeah. parties. It's like dorm life. I, I I don't know if you went to college or dorms or anything like that, but it was just, with a, this college that I went to, it was just, I mean, everybody was partying every day. I mean, I think right. most of the people in the building that I lived in probably failed their second semester because we were all, and, and streaming is kind of like that too. You always feel like there's a fucking party going on. So it could be yeah. Wednesday at, at 3 p.m. or something, and then all of a sudden you see your friends over here and they're getting fucked up and you want to do it too. And then all, before too long, you find yourself, I mean, this this is behavior that would not fly for 99% of jobs. Like in this That's kind of true. job, if you get too fucked up and you sleep in or whatever, oh, well, you just start your stream a little bit later. In the real life, if you get too fucked up, you got to go to work at 6 a.m. or whatever, hungover as fuck. And if you don't, you know, there's a good chance you'll get fired, too. So there's right. so much about this job that protects you from the regular consequences that that um, more nine to five workers have to have to face. And if you don't, if you're not careful, you could take that for granted and forget that. And um that's what I've been trying to remember these days, just, you know, in terms of like moderating my drinking is because, um, you know, it gets to a point where it, 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 it no longer helps you. Like you, you no longer right. feel like it's helping. You feel like it's actively holding you back. 
Yeah. And well, and it can end up being a crutch, right? It's like, <sighs> I think it one the biggest thing for me is, um, I, so I, I made a promise to Steph where she was like, hey, could, could, do you think you could stop drinking for a month? And of course I was like a month. Yeah, of course. I'm not like, are you, I'm not an alcoholic. Of course I can stop for a month, you know, and being at home and do in, in a normal routine, I, I could, it was fine. It was easy. But then we went to LA and we were, we went to this dinner with a bunch of people, this Twitch, this Twitch dinner. I was miserable, dude. It was so fucking hard for me. I was like, I am having such extreme FOMO. I'm angry because I, I like, I, I did all the things where I'm like, I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing this for you just to make you happy. Like so it turned into get, that, right? Did you get pissed at her for being the one to propose it? Yeah, like, like, like she fault? almost, yeah, like it was like her fault and she was forcing me to do this and I didn't have a problem. But then like looking back and seeing my reaction, it, it's, I, I did. Like that was the issue in itself. Me getting so angry and me not being able to even just go in, through one dinner and be a sober, like be sober while everyone else is drinking around me, I, I experience really bad FOMO. Like I've always done that. Like if if I if everyone else is having a good time, I feel like if I'm not partaking, then I I don't I can't have fun. Like I've I've always felt like that. Um, that's something that I've I've been trying to get better at. Like even now, man, it's hard. Like Vernon uh Vernon Mike were drinking the other the other game or the other day, and I wasn't because I'm I'm trying not to drink during the week. I'm and you know I'm I'm just I'm trying to moderate and be better about it mm -hmm. um but it was so fucking hard for me dude like i feel like it shouldn't be that hard you know but it was so hard for me like i so badly just want to be like ah, i'll just go get one beer just one beer yeah you know i think but, it's i think it's a case for a lot of jobs where a lot of multitasking is involved like i think chefs obviously have to multitask quite a bit they have to keep track of all these different plates and like the temperatures and the times mm. i think i think um restaurant work is is one of the leading um, industries that are hit hardest by alcoholism. And I think it's really? because like during, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think it's like top five. Um, uh, it, it was at least like 10 years ago or whatever, when I'm thinking of the stat. Um, and I think about the, the, the sort of multitasking that you have to do when you're streaming too. So like, not only do you have to like focus on the game, you have to like focus on, you know, trying to get better at the game. You have to focus on the chat. You have to focus on your, uh, your own like outward presenting personality and that, like you're actually juggling quite a few things at the same time. And so conversation when, with the people you're playing with, there's tons of, tons of shit. Mm -hmm, yep. And, um, I found for me that alcohol, uh, it did help to calm my mind after that, after that, like when you're done with work, sometimes you're all jacked up. And it's hard to fall asleep until like five in the morning because your brain is just so it's just going a thousand miles per hour. And even when you turn like stop streaming, I don't know about you, but my brain sometimes will still stay in that place for a while. And so I, I came to rely on alcohol to be the thing to sort of like, you know, it was like my Natasha and the Avengers like stroking Hulk's hand. <laughs> and like That's what alcohol did for me. It would kind of bring me down. Um, and it worked for a while, but it gets to a point where if it starts to like maybe affect your health a little bit, maybe affect your sleep a little bit, maybe affect your relationships a little bit, you know, it's hard not to ask yourself, okay, well, is this something that I should be paying attention to right now? And, but it is tough to break that habit is extremely difficult, especially in this, in this line of work, um, where chat is just filled with enablers who don't give a shit about you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, but, but it's true. I, I don't think it's necessarily, they don't give a shit about you, but they just, they don't look at it from that perspective. Right. Like I, I, one of the things I've always said is like dance monkey dance. Like sometimes chat makes me feel like I'm an entertainment monkey. Like I'm, I'm not a human. I'm there to do whatever the fuck they want to make them laugh. 
yeah. even if it's at my expense. And so I, I do tell myself that sometimes and some people are understanding, but you know, it, there's always a, a very loud vocal minority uh, that can, that can really stand out when it comes to pressuring you to do things that you probably shouldn't do. Um, did you ever have the situation yeah. where somebody in your chat would like call it out be like, Brennan, are you, I think you're drinking too much. Like sometimes people would say that in my chat and I would get so pissed defensive. and defensive. Yeah. Be like, Who the fuck are you? you don't know my life. Yeah. Meanwhile, this person is like clearly seeing me drink every day. It's not like it's, right. like, it's, it's like a big secret and they're, they're making a reasonable observation. But the fact that it's coming from a stranger really fucking, it, it pisses me off sometimes. And it's kind of a silly reaction, I think. I mean, I don't think it's a silly reaction. I mean, looking back on it, maybe, yeah, right. But in, I'm the same way. You know, I, I remember I remember people saying that, like, oh, gold glove the alcoholic. And I was just like, what the fuck? I'm not an alcoholic. Like, I don't need alcohol to just get throughout my day. And I think in my, in my you know, there's different levels to alcoholism. And for me, like, when I pictured an alcoholic, an alcoholic, like, I picture, like, a raging, violent alcoholic that's, like, you know, coming home from the bars and like, you know, beating their family. Like that's where I take it. I'm like, that is not me. That is not me. That is not, no way. Don't fucking call me that. Yeah. You know, like I would, I would be offended by it. And then I, you know, now I think, yeah, to, to some degree I, I was, you know, um, I, I, and I think that's going to be a, like a, a constant battle for me is, is just moderation issues with anything. Um, I've just always been like that. And it, it runs my family. And I, I remember my, What's funny is when I, when I was like 18, 19 years old, I was the kid that's like, I'm never, I'm never drinking. I'm never doing any drug. I'm not doing anything because I know that I'll get addicted to it. Like that, that was, that was my mindset. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was two weeks away from 20 and all my friends were like, dude, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I'll just drink. And I was like, okay. And that, you know, that, and that was the start. I was like, okay, oh, okay. I'll try what well, fine. All my friends are doing it. I think FOMO was the really the thing that pushed me. It's like, well, all my friends are doing it. They're having a good time. Like, I'm not going to, I'm in a safe place. You know, I'll, I'll be yeah. fine. And then, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not like a, a raging alcoholic. Like, or I'm not like a violent alcoholic. So I'm fine. Yeah. And then I just, I don't know. It was, it took a turn at some point. There is a wide spectrum of alcoholism and it's good, good of you to point that out. It's not just the case where <clears throat> I had a similar concept of alcoholism when I was younger, where an alcoholic was somebody who was just, you know, fall down drunk by five, violent, yeah. mean, um, getting fired from their jobs constantly, you know, fucking their relationships all up all the time. But really, you know, you have binge drinkers, you have maintenance drinkers, you have people that are self-medicating because of some unresolved trauma. You have uh, all kinds of different manifestations. So uh, it, it's really not just that one extreme version of uh alcoholism and and um uh it's easy to it's easy to write off your own problems because you're not that bad well i'm not that bad right like i'm still working right. you know i still have a channel i still have a regular schedule on my stream i can still support myself still have a girlfriend i still talk to my parents so it can't be that bad but uh but there are other ways that it can that it can you know come in and, and rear its ugly head in terms of negative consequences and uh i think especially in this line of work you know, it behooves us to be vigilant about, about paying attention to those things. Like, obviously I'm not perfect, but, um, right. You know, you just try to be better than you were the year before. That is very, very true. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, so you talked a little bit about anxiety. Um, like what is anxious Goldie look like? Like how Ooh. does that, how does that affect your, 
day-to-day, your sleep schedule, your diet, your relationship, all that stuff. So <clears throat> I, uh, I, I do take uh, meds for anxiety now, but I was actually experiencing more or less, I wouldn't say that I have like a, like a consistent uh, anxiety, but I, I would have like anxiety attacks, like straight up, like where I didn't really, I didn't, I thought it was just like these, and I guess I've had it my whole life, but I, I didn't even really know what anxiety was. No one had ever talked to me about that. My parents never told me what anxiety was. They never expressed anxiety like that they had. So I was just like, oh, this is a feeling that I'm having and everyone has this. I'll grow out of it. You know, that, that was the big thing for me. It was like, I, it, was this, it was this primal panic that I would have um, where like I would just get like super hot and I'd get flustered and I couldn't think. And I, I'd be like, like, what am I doing? Like, oh my God, like I would just freak out. But I would internalize it. I would never tell anybody that. And I would just try to push through it and push through it and push through it. And um, I, it, it didn't happen a ton when I was younger. It would happen, you know, I don't know. It would happen every once in a while. But I felt like it was happening more as an adult. And then I explained to Steph one day. I was like, this is what I feel like. This is, she's like, she's like, it happened once. It was for things like this too. They're just ridiculous. We were pulling into our neighborhood Okay, we were pulling into our neighborhood and she's like, hey, we should check the mail. And I'm like, okay. And she, and she, so I, I, I we're, we're driving and I see the mailbox and there's someone parked where I would usually park to get the mail. And I just, all of a sudden, I just like this rush of panic, which is, looking back, like why, right? A rush of panic. And I just drove past and I, and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I'm just going to do, I'm going to go around and come back. And she's like, why don't you just like park next to, why don't you just park in front of them? And like, my brain was just red panicking. Like I, I couldn't even think. And I was just like, I, I, I don't know. Stop, stop. Like you, you stop. You're making me just stop. Please stop talking. And she's like, what the heck? This is something that's so like, this is not big. Like, why are you freaking out? And so that was kind of the first time she noticed it. And then it happened more and more and more and more. Um, and then she's like, you're, you're having like these weird anxiety attacks. So I, I went and talked to, to a psychiatrist and they were like, yeah, you're experiencing mild anxiety attacks. I, I don't really experience like constant anxiety. Like I said, like consistent, like, you know, under the, under the, the surface at all mm -hmm. times. Um, but that, that was kind of the big one for me. And it started happening more and more and more. And so I, I took, I, they, they prescribed me some meds and literally my anxiety is gone. I don't have anxiety at all anymore. What was that trip to the psychiatrist first like? Was it uh, pretty nerve-wracking? Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I'd never really, I don't know. I, I didn't, I was almost embarrassed, even though that's literally their job to talk about, like, what I'm experiencing. And I, and I didn't really know how to explain it, you know? Like, I didn't know how to explain how I felt or what I was, what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, so that was hard for me because it's like if I can't, if I'm struggling to express myself, um, then it like flusters me almost. And I, I, I like get into my own head and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. And like, I'm embarrassing myself and shit like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was really scary. And another thing is I, I was, I don't know. I was a huge, like, I don't need to be medicated. Like no pills for me. I'm good. I don't need that. You know, like, I don't want, I don't want it to snowball into something. And then it, but it helped me so much. I was like, why was I so afraid of this for so long? You know? Yeah. 
One of the ways that anxiety um, affects my brain, and I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, is my brain, it, it's almost like brain zaps. My brain just freezes. I lock up. Like everybody yeah. everybody has a fight, flight, or freeze response yeah. to stress. I, I completely freeze. And um, I've had experiences recently where I'm on these political panels, and I'm j- I've just kind of recently started mo- leaning into the politi- political stuff more. Uh, in, in recent times, and there's a lot of really intelligent, informed people in the scene. So if you're going to end up in a debate or a conversation with people, it can be easy to uh, feel like an idiot um, because you don't know this thing very well that they're talking about. And so sometimes I'll have these moments where I'm like trying to express and, and this will, it'll be a topic that I know I'm very familiar with. I feel comfortable talking about it. I'm reasonably informed on the topic. And yet still if I get that fear of looking stupid in front of like the political crowd and it's like a real gatekeepy crowd, like you got to like be really well read and um, like they're brutal and political Twitch sometimes, but my brain, my brain would just freeze in the middle of a a sentence and I would forget what I was saying. And that's like, you know, a nightmare for somebody with um, anxiety, but that's just one. I mean, have you ever experienced that kind of thing where your brain just kind of shuts off because it's just overloaded. I mean, yeah, I, I, I experienced that all the time. I mean, I, I realized that, like you said, the, the fight flight or freeze. And I would say I am actually two of those. Like I am a, I'm a flight and freeze. Like I, my first instinct in, in any, almost all situations or especially like, um, I don't know, like, uh, confrontation, confrontation is really bad for like flight is my first one. Just get away from it. Um, but if I can't fly, I freeze. Like my brain just does not function. Uh, like legitimately it, it, it's like, I can't think I, it just, it just stops working. Um, which is, which is super, super bad when you're with someone who is fight. You know what I mean? Like polar opposites. No, uh, no, we're going <laughs> to squash this. We're going to handle this right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'm more the person in my relationship where I'm like, no, we got to resolve this right now. I have, I have a hard okay. time. With, I have a hard time with like um, lingering, unresolved conflict. Like sometimes the only thing to do is just take space, and I've learned that more in the like, especially in the last couple of years with Esme. Mm-hmm. But of of just like, okay, we're not communicating well right now. It's time to just you know, I'll go over here. She goes over here, which isn't as much of a problem for me. But like in the beginning of our relationship, it was like. If there was any kind of tension at all, it didn't matter what the level was. It could have been a, just a tiny amount of tension, but my brain turns it into a catastrophic fight that needs to be fixed yeah. right now. Right if now, we don't yep. fix it. We're gonna fucking break up and hate each other. And um, that's that, you know that's also a byproduct of anxiety of just not being comfortable with um, space and uh, unresolved um, conflict. It can be. It can be. Uh, um, apparently, that that can also be rooted in uh, abandonment. You know, like someone walking away from a conversation that you feel so, you know, so emotional, uh, you know, emotional about, so strong about, and that person wants to walk away from you, right. and you're like, no, yeah. we have to handle this right now. So, uh, I mean, that that's a whole that's a whole other thing, right? That's well, that's yeah. a lot of relationships have that type of dynamic, and that's a struggle, but. Well, there wasn't any kind of physical abandon- abandonment. Like um, my dynamic at home sounded somewhat similar to yours, except uh, my, um, my parents were together. You talked about having like a single mom, but my dad mm-hmm. worked a lot of uh, graveyard shifts. And so a lot, there was like a several year stretch when we were growing up where my dad was working a lot of overtime and he was working graveyard shifts. So we didn't really see him all that much. Um, 
but he was he was still like present in my life but he was real old school like his mom was not <laughs> it was a different time i mean his his mom grew up like pre civil rights like south um so you can imagine what kind of like person she was and that right. person carried on into her old uh, older years as well and she was not a kind loving person and so nobody taught my dad how to do that and so the way that he taught me how to be a man be a person was that strict kind of approach that you were talking about where it was like i'm just gonna work him to the bone on the weekends doing lots of chores make him get a job at 15 like he just like he'd really really tried to instill a sense of work ethic in me but he didn't do a lot of um we didn't talk about feelings and if there was conflict between us it's like i am the fucking dad and this is how it is going to be and you're gonna be okay with that and if you show me any attitude about that there's gonna be consequences and so i think your ass beat at least for me you know there was some physical stuff but i mean i wouldn't say you got my ass beat but yeah physical physical violence was a method of like discipline back then and that is just this is that is what i learned when it came to conflict conflict is violence it is screaming it is authoritarian posture and uh it's taken years of therapy dude to i don't know if you've ever been to therapy but it's taken years of therapy to unlearn and i'm still in the process of doing it it's tough though it's really deeply ingrained yeah, I've uh, I've been going to therapy. Well, I've actually taken quite a break from it with uh, with the birth of Conan because I just haven't had time. But uh, it, right when I broke my hand, I started going to therapy. So from 2018 to pretty much like last end of last year, I think. So pretty much uh, over two years straight of going pretty much once a month. And um, I sometimes I would go twice a month. It just really depend depended on what was going on. But I mean, I had to get through a lot, man. A lot of trauma, a lot of things to unpack and settle and figure out and figure out where the hell all this stuff you know stems from and comes from. Knowing the root of it is is pretty important, you know, especially if you're trying to uh, learn from it and kind of adjust and and better yourself. So, really helps to have somebody who's like patient. Um like as a partner, as a girlfriend, because you've mentioned many times throughout that you don't know where you'd be without Steph. I know I would, I, my life would, would not be going great. I think if were it not for yeah. having someone like Esme, and since the time we've been together, like both of us are super understanding of each other's like limitations as people, and we're we're you know, especially like in the last year, I feel like. COVID probably made or, braid, made or broke a lot of couples. And I feel like um, being locked in the house with Esme really strengthened our relationship too. And you guys were going through like a pregnancy at the same time. So, I, I mean, I wonder how like COVID and, and lockdown had, had an effect on, on you guys. Um, I mean, it was hard, right? I, I cannot imagine, you know, Steph, I think she, she always had this idea of, you know, pregnancy is fun. It's, it's something you celebrate, you know, a baby shower and friends and family. And all of a sudden that was kind of taken from her. Like she didn't get any of that. I mean, we were, we were just happy that I was able to go to most of her appointments, you know, like that was a win, uh, last year during her pregnancy. Um, you know, her, we were able to do like a little tiny baby shower. Um, but it's just, you know, nothing was really the, the, what we expected, you know, this, we wanted the pregnancy to be this huge celebration. So I think for her, she really, really struggled with that. It was really hard for her. Um, and, you know, and just obviously just, just straight up isolation, you know, me and Steph are pretty social people. Um, you know, at least 
maybe not on a daily basis, but you know, like a couple times, at least a, a month, we, we like to get together with some friends and hang out. And that's enough for us. You know, that kind of keeps our, our battery charged or, you know, keeps, keeps us going. And so the last year, man, I, it's, I think for me, I didn't realize how hard this last year had been until my 30th birthday. And like all of a sudden, you know, I was getting, I was kind of just getting flooded with, with FaceTimes and texts and calls. And, and like, I, I think I, I, in the moment I was like, holy shit, I miss so many people. Like I, I have not seen or talked to any of these people in so long. I miss it so freaking much. I, and I'll be honest, bro. I, I started crying a little bit. I was like, dude, this was, this is year was fucking hard. And I think it just kind of snowballed into that moment. And I was like, good God, man, this was, this is so hard on everybody. I, you know. I'm just glad that, you know, my son, we got my son out of it. You know, 2020 was a horrible fucking year, but my son was born right at the end of it. So it was still, the day was the best day of my life. And me and Steph, I feel like we got stronger, you know, her going through the pregnancy, us being in quarantine and just having to figure it out, you know, just the two of us. Uh, it was, it was a tough year, but you know, I made us stronger in the end. So. Well, I'm a firm believer that gr growth comes f from pain mostly. Like the, when I, when like the positive changes to my character, I think have happened m more times from going through something really terrible than when things were going really well. Not that you can't get valuable insight when life is good, but if you're hurting, then, 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 then like I, f I try to remind myself if I'm going through like a period of a, sh a short term period of pain, I try to remind myself, okay, well I will be a better person at the at the other at the other other end of this and covid coming in and taking away like baby i don't even think about that but that must have been brutal for steph like not having that um sense of community when she was pregnant must have been really tough like we had my sister's funeral was tiny and my sister she um knew a lot of people i'm sure if we had like an open funeral in normal times hundreds of people would have shown up like she was so compulsively social and she would like call everybody on their birthday and like she was just that kind of person and um, I think that was really tough on my family, especially my parents and my, my brother-in-law to not be able to have like a full on service. Um, you know, we still plan to do something, but it's like kind of tough, you know, a year later to, to do like a retroactive funeral is a little weird. Right. But, you know, this whole COVID experience, I think like as painful as it was, <clears throat> I think it did, you know, there is an opportunity to, to grow and learn from, from how difficult it was and how you adapted to it. You know, if anything, you guys are resilient. You know, I think you can take that away from uh, from this experience. Well, and it's and it's going to make me appreciate, you know, kind of hopefully getting back to a little bit of normalcy. Right. It's like it's going to make me that much like just having people over to the house. Like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to appreciate those moments even more because I haven't had the experience in the last year. Um, you know, maybe at one point I just took it for granted. And now I'm like, please, I just want to have dinner with my parents. You know, yeah. or my grandparents, dude, I haven't seen my grandfather who I'm extremely close to. I have, I, I haven't seen him in almost a year now, over a year now. Yeah. Just, and, and, and that's, that's extra terrifying because, you know, he's, he's getting older and I don't, I don't, anything could happen at any point, you know, and, and that would be awful. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. It's just, you never know. This, this whole last year has really just changed my perspective in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm driving up to see my my family for the first time since my sister's funeral um, in August. Uh, driving up there this weekend, and I'm afraid I'm gonna have a complete fucking breakdown, Brennan. Like as soon as I see them, I, I'm afraid I'm just gonna be like, 
I think I I might just start bawling as soon as I see them because my niece is coming over from Pennsylvania too with her with her daughter and I never get to see her like ever and it's just gonna be um I, I think it's gonna be a lot so I'm, I'm I mean there's I don't think here's the thing there's nothing wrong with that no, you know like no, there's not I, the older I get man the more I like especially now that I'm a dad like I'm so over the if you're a man you can't cry shit like that's how I was raised I hated that so much like it, it put me and my dad still to this day, I just have a fucking horrible relationship. And so for me, like I, I I'm not going to instill that same shitty mentality in my son, you know, yep. dude, I, I, I cry probably, I cry a lot, bro. I, sometimes I just cry cause I'm, I'm happy. Like I, I happy cry all the fucking time, especially yep. now with Cohen, like every little milestone, dude, I'm such a sap. Like I, I saw Cohen laying on the ground with my two dogs and I started crying a little bit. I was like, this is the happy, this, I, I fucking love it. My boys, they're all together, you know? Like, I was just such a, like, a happy dad in the moment. And then, like I said, you know, the other day for my birthday, when everyone was calling me and stuff, I got a little, I got a little upset then, too. You know, a little emotional, so... I don't know, man. It's I th- good. I think the Zoomers are. I think the Zoomers are 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 getting wise to it, though. I th- I think. I agree. I think this young generation is doing a pretty good job of challenging and sort of unraveling these persistent social norms that have existed for you know decades and centuries and millennia. I th- I think the Zoomers are doing a pretty good job of pushing back against the um the uh what is the word I'm like the um. The, the idea that if you're a guy, you can't cry. It's just, it's so mm-hmm. fucking stupid. C- laughing, yeah. laughing is a perfectly natural reaction. And, you know, most of the time we don't try to, we don't, we don't, we don't try to like hold back from laughing, but laughing is right. just as natural as crying and crying can be a necessary release valve for your, for your nervous system. Like if you have a bunch of pent up emotions and you don't give yourself an opportunity to like open up and let that out in some way. And if that means tears and that means tears, then, you know, it can make, it can make problems like anxiety and depression so much worse. If you just push it fucking down, you don't acknowledge it. And then all of a sudden you're punching walls and shit, you know, like I, I didn't want to tell you, but like I had a similar, st- <laughs> I had a similar story. Like me and me and Esme were in an argument. This was like a c- couple years ago and she went upstairs and I was so mad. I was holding this like plastic bottle and I thought in my head, I'm like, you know, I want, you know, I wanted to be like theatrical and like, you know, let her know that I was upset. And I, and I threw it against the wall and it didn't fucking break. And instead, oh, it, instead it makes you so angry. It's no, it, it will. Instead it left a fucking hole in the wall and I looked at it, I was so ashamed and embarrassed immediately. I was like, this is so stupid. It's a reminder. Could, yeah, it was I couldn't believe that I had done that. I was so ashamed about it. And I like immediately went upstairs and I apologized to Asme. I was like, I I'm not normally like that. I, you know, I would never obviously like throw it at you. I didn't think it was gonna leave a hole and and then like the person had to come and like fix the hole and I ended up lying about it because I was ashamed. But it's just, you know yep. at the time it was probably a case where you know I just wasn't really I wasn't I wasn't letting myself like explore those emotions in a healthy way. And it all just came out at one moment. Um, That's exactly what happened to me. I I was trying to bottle everything up and I just hit a a boiling point and I just, I had to let it all out at once. And apparently the only way I knew was to just beat the shit out of my wall. So did it hurt like hell? Like when you, when, as soon as you hit that stud, were you like, oh shit, I just fucked no, up? No, I mean, I, I was so, in the moment, I was so angry and I had so much adrenaline and just, yeah, I saw red. I, I mean, no, I, it didn't hurt. Like I, I punched the wall, put a bunch of holes in it. And then, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, wow, my hand hurts. And I'm like, oh wow, my hand really hurts. Uh, I, I don't think it's that bad. 
And then I'm holding my hand and Steph's, Steph's like, let me look at your hand. And she looks at it and it's already just swollen. She's like, I think you broke your hand. We should get in the car. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's just, I, I like just bruised it or something. And <clears throat> so she's like, no, you're a fucking idiot. Get in the car right now. And we went to the uh, urgent care and yep, my hand was broken. I shattered my, my, basically the knuckle under my pinky. I shattered that whole thing. So, and I had to get surgery. I got a uh, plate, five screws. Yeah. Not a, I mean, it's a reminder. I always say I, I I'm, it sucked. It fucking sucked. God, having a cast with this job for two months, but it, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I was so. going to say, if you can't, I'll bet you anything <clears throat> that that was like a very good learning experience for you because being confronted with, I mean, like very rarely, I think in this world, are you confronted with such a tangible consequence of bad behavior? Mm -hmm. Like every time you look down at your cast for two months, uh, you, you had to have thought about, you know, that mistake that you made on some level. And uh, I think, I think that that can be a really a good a good positive catalyst for um for change kind of going back to what i was talking about like pain emotional pain physical pain these things can be these things can be important learning lessons if you just open yourself up to the um experience of learning from it very true all right brandon well uh, i'm not gonna take up any more of your time um i really do appreciate you coming on and um sh sh being so honest about this kind of stuff like in this line of work you know a lot of it is being fake to one degree or another and so like i wanted to do this podcast because i want to sort of like pierce through all that and get to some more authenticity and, and sort of like rawness and uh, i thought you were very open and honest throughout the discussion i'm sure people in the chat took a lot from what you said i did i'm gonna digest on what you what you talked about a little bit and um again you know if there's anything else that you want to say just to close it out anything you want to say to the viewers or if you want to um plug your socials that kind of thing then this would be the time to do it well one i just want to say thank you for having me i've obviously been keeping my eye on it and and for me personally i i you know i i agree with you it, for a while there it was like the internet only sees what you want them to see right and for me it you know after the hand incident i was like you know what i need to I need to kind of shred back that armor and, and kind of be open because a lot of people experience what we've been talking about. Probably, you know, uh, a lot of people deal with it and maybe they don't even know they're dealing with it. Right. Yeah. And so instead of me painting this, this false quote unquote, perfect picture where nothing in my life is screwed up and I'm not dealing with anything negative um, and giving this, you know, my viewers like this false, you know, ideal of what life should look like. I think it's as my duty as a content creator at this point, I think I'm doing them, you know, I, I'm doing better by them if I'm honest and, and tell them my struggles, you know, because then they know they're not alone. And I think that is far more important than me just acting like I'm literally, I have the perfect life and nothing bad ever happens to me. You can, you could be like me. Like that's just, it's not true. That's not how life is. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to paint that picture. So I think this is amazing, man. I I'm thanks for having me and thanks for talking to me about it. Like, I mean, I've, I've said it to you a few times. You've been one of those guys that I've always, I've always looked up to in, in terms of <clears throat> content creation, how to do this stuff. And, you know, I I've seen, I I've known you for so long. I've seen the struggles and the ups and downs. And so I think for me, you know, when I go through those moments, I'm like, I'm not the only one like everyone, everyone goes through this, mm -hmm. you know, and, and some, like you said, sometimes it, it kind of sucks that we have to go through these horrible moments, um, to, to potentially learn something from it, 
you know, I, I wish I could, I wish I could have learned all that stuff without breaking my hand and doing it. But if it happens, you, you got to make the best of it and, and get the most out of it. And so at the end of the day, you know, that's just what we have to do every day. So where can people find you, Brandon? Uh, gold glove, gold glove TV, gold glove, pretty much on everything. Yeah. That's the spot. All right, buddy. Well, thank thank you again for coming on. I do appreciate your time. That was an hour and a half. You didn't have to do that, and you did. So, and I'm sure the chat oh, appreciates no it too. So, um, enjoy the rest of your week. Um, have fun with your baby, and take it easy, buddy. Oh, I like doing this podcast. <clears throat> it's good for my. This podcast is good for my soul. I swear to God. I say that I'm doing it for you guys so that you guys feel less alone with these emotions, but it fucking helps the shit out of me too. <laughs>